Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. And welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio, and we have made it to the end of 2021 in the boxing world. An up and down year. Wow. It was something. <laughs> From start to uh, end, uh, you got good fights. You got cancellations. You got retirements uh, of Manny Pacquiao. You got unification bouts. You got undisputed bouts. You had a big time corruption with the WBA at title consolations. You had small fights, big fights. You saw a lot of fights this year. Uh, you know, the, this isn't exactly the golden age of fights. Yes, we did get more fights, uh, more good fights than bad. But you were able to watch fights like never before on all different continents, on all different streaming uh, services. So all in all, I would say 2021 was a very good year. Uh, in, in the year of boxing, and I've had a blast doing this show. I uh, have fun doing these year-end shows. As you can see, I'm decked out in, in, in my best tuxedo. I, you, know, you probably can't see that I'm wearing basketball shorts uh, <laughs> below here. So that's that's the beauty of, of television. And speaking of television, I want to thank our broadcast partners who had shown a big commitment in boxing, and that is Pluto TV and Fubo Sports, who stream this show every single week on their platforms. 54 shows we did this year. I'm super proud of that. Uh, with my brother, Nick Canobio, behind the scenes as the producer, and of course, Bob Canobio, uh, the creator of CompuBox, who also serves as an executive producer. So it's the three of us every single week churning out content, and man, it has been a year in boxing uh eight undisputed uh, excuse me eight unification bouts three undisputed fights we had upsets lots of them we're going to get into those we had uh, canelo returned in a very big way you had deontay wilder and tyson fury deliver on the grandest of stages and you also had uh, the heavyweight title change hands when your dennis ugas excuse me ugas he beat manny pacquiao when alexander Usyk defeated Anthony Joshua, one of the biggest upsets of the year, one of the biggest moments of the year. But, you know, here at CompuBox, we do things a little bit differently. Yes, I can go through the fight of the year. I can give you fighter of the year. I can give you manager of the year. You've done that. You can get that in a lot of different places. But I want to do is give you some other types of awards, some other types of, of uh, stat-related awards, because it was a good year. And it was also, uh, we had some uh, less fruitful fights as well. But let's start things off with the most prolific Boxer of 2021 in terms of punches thrown and punches landed. He is the king. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez for the second year in a row threw and landed the most punches in a 12-round fight. He threw 1,317 punches in his fight with Juan Francisco Estrada that took place back in March. Uh, one of the best fights of the year, a 12-round war, landed 391 punches, which is also the most punches landed in a 12-round fight here in 2021. He did it all, he did it last year. Second year in a row that Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez has done this last year. Uh, he threw 1,241 punches against Israel Gonzalez. The guy is a dynamo, and to do that in consecutive years 
just shows you how much of a force this guy is. He only knows one way. He only knows one way how to fight. Uh, and if anything, we're seeing more and more of these lower weights uh, this year. But Chocolatito is the man. And what makes this even more incredible for Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, throwing and landing the most punches in 2020 and 2021, is that he did it in 10 years ago. He did it in 2011 as well. He threw 400. He landed 496 punches in 2011 and threw the most punches that year, too. So 10 years apart, Roman Gonzalez is still breaking records. Unbelievable guy. And, uh, you know, I, I informed him that for the second year in a row, he has won this prestigious award right here. And he sent this message. Hola, le saluda Roman González. Quisiera mandarle un saludo especial. Gracias a Compu Box. Eh, agradecerle, verdad, por el reconocimiento. Por, eh, el golpe más tirado y más conectado. Eh, eh, saludos y bendiciones y, y gracias. What a great guy. The king. He is the king for a reason. And as you can see, we're off to a running start here on Inside Boxing Live. How about the least punches landed in a 12-round fight for one fighter? And that goes to Jeremiah Nakathila, who landed 28 punches in 12 rounds, 2.3 per round against Shakur Stevenson. Runner-up for this award was Umar Salamov, who was second with 35 connects against Dimitri Bival. What did Dimitri Bival and Shakur Stevenson have in common? They are both elite defenders now, Shakur Stevenson, who I think is poised for a breakout 2022, uh, he fought 22 rounds in 2021. He fought Jamal Herring, and he fought Jeremiah Nakathila, and he was only hit with 115 punches. That's 5.2 per round. So you can look at this award in two different ways. Jeremiah Nakathila, congratulations. You landed the least amount of punches in a 12-hour fight. But also, Shakur Stevenson, you probably put on the best defensive performance in that fight and probably had one of the best defensive years uh, of any fighter out there, uh, Bival as well. But I, I think that uh, Stevenson fought in bigger and fought a higher quality opponent, especially Jamal Herring, in, in that second fight. And it's funny because a lot was made of, of the four kings this year, right? Or the, that's what, for lack of a better term, what we started off the year calling them. Because if you look back to January 2nd, of 2021, Ryan Garcia kicked off the year when he beat Luke Campbell. And that kind of fast-tracked the conversation. Oh, man, maybe we can get Ryan Garcia versus Tank Davis. You know, maybe Haney will fight Tia Fimo. Tia Fimo was still the king at, at that point. But one name that was constantly left off, and it's not because of his skill-wise, it's not because he's a lesser fighter, it's because he just isn't in that weight class, is Shakur Stevenson. And I think that Shakur Stevenson is poised for a huge 2022. You talk about a guy who obviously has the defensive numbers and can also show in that Herring fight that he can be exciting. Because that was the knock on Jamel Herring. Um, excuse me. That was the knock on Shakur Stevenson up until that point in his career that he wasn't an exciting fighter. He doesn't go for the kill. In that fight with Nakathila, he could have stopped it numerous times, but he coasted. Said he wasn't feeling well, but... He showed in that Herring fight that he can stay in close range. He can stay in the pocket and he can get a stoppage. This guy has elite defensive skills. He is a guy that I believe can be at the very top of the pound for pound list in a few years. And I think 2022 will be the start of it. I think if you look at the lightweight division, and obviously we had a mad dash towards the end of the year with all the top four or five guys all fighting. I think one thing we can take away is like, maybe these guys aren't as elite as we thought they were. Yes. They make us great matchups, but 
maybe they aren't as maybe outside of maybe Lomachenko, none of these guys are like maybe on the elite level. Like Tank Davis, good fighter, had a good performance against Isaac Cruz. Devin Haney had a really good 2021 with wins over Linares and wins over Jojo Diaz, but not like a, a great, not elite. And Teofimo Lopez obviously lost, and Ryan Garcia fought once. Shakur Stevenson, I think, has all the tools to be like, wow, this dude is the best. At, uh, you know, he could be a top three pound for pound, uh, but he has to, uh, you know, get those fights, those big time fights. But I think it starts for him in uh, 2022. All right, it's time to get to our third award of the year. This is the Rancis Bartholomew versus Robert Easter Snoozer of the Year. And I think we don't need a drum roll for this one. I think you know what it is. Guillermo Rigondeaux versus John Real Casemiro, August 14th. The duo combined to land 91 punches in 36 minutes. 91 punches in 36 minutes minutes that is pathetic that is horrendous that is one of the worst fights i had seen in a very long time and it's crazy because it's between two guys that were considered uh it's a big matchup at 118 pounds Guillermo rigandau of course is known for years for being a cautious fighter john real casimir we thought was aggressive but rigandau straight up disarmed him this fight set off a Twitter frenzy in terms of what it was it a fun fight. Some people looked at it as an exciting fight. Some people thought it was the worst fight they've ever seen. You know, beauty is in the in the eye of the beholder. That's never more evident with, with boxing. But to put that into perspective, 91 punches landed in 12 rounds. Chocolatito and Estrada reached 91 combined punches midway through the third round of their fight. That just that just shows it all. So congratulations to Guillermo Rigondeaux and John Real Casemiro for picking up the Rancis Bartholomew, Bartholomew versus Robert Easter snoozer of the year. Let's hope next year uh, they're maybe the worst fight of the year. Maybe they're in, they crack the hundreds. All right, it's time to move on to the least combined punches landed in one round. And I think you might know this one as well. Three. Adrian Broner versus Giovanni Santiago in round one. They landed three combined punches, and that would be a preview of things to come in that fight. Uh, Broner was outlanded 203 to 99, but still somehow got the win. It was Broner's first fight in a really long time. It was only fight of 2021. He, I know he wants to get back into the ring. But how about this? Rigondeaux and Casemiro had six of the 10 top worst rounds of the year in terms of uh, least amount of punches landed. Six of the 10. And the others were Giovanni Santiago and Adrian Broner. Three landed punches in, in round one, man. Adrian Broner, is, there's talks about him trying to get in there with, with Connor Ben. I don't know what that would accomplish. I uh, like Adrian Broner, the, the person. I think he has a very fun personality, but, I mean, he has really got nothing left. What are you tuning in for? You're tuning in to watch him throw like 20 to 30 punches around. And Jake Paul throws more punches around than Adrian Broner. So if he's not going to let his hands go, I don't think the, 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 the lead up, the promotion to a fight with Broner equals what you, the payoff inside the ring. It, it's not going to be pretty. All right, let's try to move on to something more positive. This is the Marvin Hagler Tommy Hearns Award. Most combined punches landed in a round. I think you know who it is. 95, and they did it twice in the seventh round, and somehow they did it in the 12th round. Roman Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada they put on a show back in March, 95 landed combined punches in the seventh round and again in the 12th. And it's amazing that they did it in the 12th round. 
when they were dead tired, when they were fatigued, they just, that 12th round is going to be up there for, for round of the year. I mean, they combined to throw 2,529 punches. That's the most ever at Superfly. Chocolatito and Estrada, they combined to land 649 power shots. That's the second most ever at Superfly. These two were throwing down in March. And I got some flack on Twitter because I said that Wilder Fury was my fight of the year because I am, everyone looks at these awards differently. They have a different criteria. When it comes to fight of the year, I, I look for an event. I look for drama. I look for momentum swings. I look for knockdowns. Wilder Fury had all those and there was a heavyweight title on the line. And there were moments where, I mean, Fury went down twice in the fourth round. There were moments where I thought Deontay Wilder was going to win. And I understand it was a one-sided type of fight if you look at the totality of it. But right up until that last moment, Wilder was still dangerous. I understand Fury didn't look great. Wilder didn't look great. But sometimes that's make for great fights. When you put skill out the window, you know, Chocolatito and Estrada had skill for 12 rounds. But when you throw skill out the window, you get two huge guys. You have the whole world watching. The entire boxing world and the sports world was transfixed on one night in Las Vegas where Wilder and Fury traded knockdowns, heavyweight title on the line, one of the best trilogies of all time. That is my fight of the year, but it doesn't mean I'm sliding Chocolatito and Estrada for what they did, throwing close to 2,500 punches, you know, you know, setting all sor sorts of records, and they're going to run it back. In, in next year, that's the good thing uh, about 2022 is we already know we're getting some big fights in Chocolatino Estrada. Uh, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on that one. So those are undoubtedly my top two fights of the year uh, of 2021. Wilder Fury 3 and, and then Chocolatito in Estrada 2. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of those. But, you know, just Chocolatito fills up the stat sheet here at, at CompuBox and he makes our job. Uh, very easy. Uh, the Let Me Pour Some Water on Your Balls Award. <laughs> of course, this is the best moment uh, in the corner. And uh, one thing, as we're seeing now with productions, whether it's Showtime, whether it's ESPN, Zone, uh, or Fox, is they don't really show corners anymore. I, uh, you know, I know Showtime likes to do a roundup at the end of the uh, show where they just give you a trainer tracks, they call it, and it's like a montage of the best things. But some of the best moments, you know, back in the HBO days, were things that were going on in the corner, like Teddy Atlas, you know, uh, you know, you had getting in there with, with Tim Bradley, Emmanuel Stewart gave you so many of those great moments, but we had a great moment this year in the corner over on Showtime pay-per-view between Mario Barrios and, and Tank Davis. And that was Barrios getting his hair combed. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter. I posted this last week. I said, sneaky, great moment of 2021 was this hand slash arm that came into the shot. Nobody attached to it and was just slicking back the hair of Mario Barrios, and then the hand just disappeared. Mario, it made the rounds on Twitter, and Barrios actually responded to it and identified the hand slash arm, and it belongs to Rick Nunez. I mean, wow, what a moment. And the let me pour some water on your balls, if you're not familiar with uh, that phrase, is it, it was from a, uh, a old Eric Morales fight in the late or early 2000s over on HBO, and Jerry Ayala, who's one of the best translators uh, in the game was on the duty for, for HBO as a translator. 
And he translated that moment quite literally. And a little story behind that is some of the higher ups, the executives at HBO were a little upset that he was so damn literal about it. Let me pour some water on your balls. He could have probably said, you know, hey, pour some water down my pants. But this is boxing. It's raw. And those I hope that in 2022, this is a very small complaint that we see more corner moments of the year. But congratulations to Mario Barrios. Congratulations to the arm, the hand of Rick Nunez. You win the Let Me Pour Some Water on Your Balls Award for 2021. Uh, now, my favorite moment of the year. And now you can go with Canelo. You know, that big win he had over BJ Saunders when he was waving on the crowd in Texas, 70,000 going nuts as he knew that he had BJ Saunders hurt. You can go with the Wilder and Fury matchup where Fury survived the right hand of Wilder. Sure, you can go with those. You can go with Usyk beating Anthony Joshua over in London with 80,000 in attendance. Those are big moments, right? Those are all big moments. You can't go wrong with those moments. But for me, my moment of the year came back in March when Canelo Alvarez fought Anvi Yildirim. No, not that fight. It was an undercard fight between Jerry Forrest and Zilhai Zhang out of China. They fought to a draw, and afterwards, Jerry Forrest called out Anthony Joshua. <laughs> that was the funniest moment of the year. It was the best moment of the year. That fight was sneakily one of the better fights. Up until March, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of big fights. There wasn't a lot of really competitive fights because we're still, you know, getting over COVID. Uh, but that was the first fight where there was like uh, somewhat of a crowd. I think there were 20,000 there in Miami. So hearing the roar of the crowd, because in that fight, Forrest was knocked down three times uh, in the first three rounds, the first four rounds. And he got up every time and he ended up fighting to a draw. It turned out that Zhang had organ failure. And since then, he's recovered because he fought just last month on the Tiafimo Cambosos card. But to hear the roar of the crowd, uh, to see a big heavyweight fight, to have some drama, and then afterwards, Jerry Forrest just so jacked up, raw emotion, and <laughs> just straight up adrenaline, he calls out Anthony Joshua off a draw. I thought it was amazing. And Jerry Forrest got robbed again uh, over on that last Triller card against Michael Hunter. I thought that he won that one. So he could have had a huge year, Jerry Forrest. He's a guy I, I, I want to see. Uh, fight again but just everything that that was just an amazing moment just fully en encapsulates uh the absurdity of the sport we started off this show talking about how we were able to watch boxing this year more than ever we are in the golden age of watching boxing right all these different platforms watching fights in uzbekistan on a saturday at 10 a.m just this past uh, two weeks ago, December 18th weekend, it was around the clock boxing from 10 a.m. Uh, with Probellum all the way to showtime. Got, I think got off the air at 1 a.m. We're seeing more and more fights, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, maybe not getting the best versus the best, although I will maintain that this year we saw that more than not. You're being able to watch boxing like never before, and which leads me to think uh, about just taking a look at, from the media standpoint and, you know, which network or platform had the best year? And to me, I think it was Showtime. I think they all had good years, uh, but I think that Showtime gave fans, uh, you know, a little bit of everything. You can start, uh, you know, with uh, the you can go from Donaire uh, to the Round Robin at 122 pounds to a, an undisputed fight at 154 between Charlo and Castaño. Uh, they had Canelo on their airwaves. They had Jake Paul on their airwaves. A lot of big fights this year went off. On Showtime, yes, there were an abundance of, of, of pay-per-views, uh, whether it was Tank Davis or whether it was Jake Paul, but a lot of those pay-per-views had really strong undercards, and that's something that we're seeing that's a little bit troubling, 
in the, in the boxing media uh, landscape or the boxing business landscape is pay-per-views have returned in a very big way in 2021. And they're going to continue even more in 2022. Just look at Fox is putting on a pay-per-view on January 1st, an all heavyweight clash for $40 that uh, some fans are, are not fully behind. Uh, I still think it's going to be a fun night of, of fights. If you're willing to plunk down uh, the $40, there were a lot of pay-per-views. There were uh, some over on, uh, a showtime to Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Remember that? That was a pay-per-view of the two uh, Jake Paul fights in the two Tank Davis fights. But they had really strong undercards. You know, give me like a Montana, a Montana Love, uh, you know, Amanda Serrano. Uh, the Tank Davis fight had uh, Adamas versus uh, Derevinchenko. There were big, big fights on some of these undercards. And not only that, regular showtime, you know, giving you an undisputed fight in 154 pounds. You know, their commitment to, uh, you know, showbox. Uh, one of the longest running prospect shows in, in, in all of boxing was very strong. So I thought that Showtime from top to bottom gave you uh, a lot if you were a Showtime subscriber. And it's funny because they don't really get the strongest ratings. It's crazy because Fox, I think, gets the strongest ratings. And they continually don't and put on probably the, the least competitive of, of all fights. Vito Milnecki on, on, uh, on Christmas night, for instance, got over 3.5 million viewers. And the Showtime puts on probably the best, most consistent, good matchmaking, and they're getting the least. You know, ESPN probably has the best value, the most even uh, distribution of quality fights and really good viewership. And then there was the zone. I thought the zone bounced back in a really big way in, in 2021. They had a disastrous 2020 COVID ravaged the uh, zone to the point where we didn't think they were going to survive. You know, if you're a subscription based model and you have nothing on for three, four months, you're in trouble. You know, a lot of people left or unsubscribed or canceled their subscription from DAZN, but they had to come back. I still think it's some of the best value you can get in terms of whether you're paying the $10 a month still, or you're the $20 a month or the hundred dollars a year. I mean, there were some huge fights on DAZN this year. Joshua versus Usyk uh, was on DAZN. You saw Ryan Garcia kick off the year. Uh, you saw Chocolatito and Estrada, Canelo Saunders, you know, Virgil Ortiz and the entire Golden Boy stable fought on DAZN this year. Not to mention, you know, what was it, right? Uh, late August is when Matchroom and DAZN started their whole new campaign of seeing more and more uh, the cut sky out of the deal. And now Matchroom and DAZN teamed up. And we saw a lot of these afternoon fights here in the States or nighttime shows over in the UK on DAZN. You know, how many times this year were you able to tune into a fun fight in the afternoon to get you ready for the night portion here in the States? You know, just, you know, recent memory was Parker and Chisora, a heavyweight fight that, you know, fans were like, oh, why are we getting this fight? But it ended up being one of a more entertaining fight. And, you know, we saw it uh, in the late afternoon. So I thought the zone bounced back in a really big way. I'm interested to see what's next for them uh, because something that got lost in the sauce a little bit over the last week is I think Dan Raphael reported this in his fight freaks unite uh, newsletter is that golden boys, top three uh, fighters in their stable, Jaime Munguia, Ryan Garcia, and Virgil Ortiz all have fights penciled for the first quarter of 2022, but they don't have a broadcast home for the last couple of years. Golden boy has appeared on the zone. Uh, there is no deal. It's not hammered out yet. Uh, last we heard, Joe Morkowski of the zone said it's on the two-yard line. Uh, so I expect them to be back on the zone. I'd be shocked if Golden Boy and the zone don't get a deal because, man, Golden Boy is giving the zone great value. There's some of the best matchmaking in the business over on Golden Boy. Uh, they still have exciting fighters. They still have exciting fights. I look forward and I uh, enjoy a lot of the Golden Boy cards that uh, appear on uh on the zone we're going to see one i uh, was just announced virtual cheese fighting uh, mckinson uh in the first quarter of 
2021. Jaime Munguia is going to have, I'm sure he, I think he has a mandatory bout. And then we're going to see Ryan Garcia in there again. Uh, I do think he's going to come back. Uh, was DMing with Ryan Garcia. He's ready to prove the haters wrong. Uh, and there's rumors of him fighting Isaac Cruz. Wouldn't that be interesting? So a good year for Drazone. ESPN had a very, very strong year, uh, giving fans big fights on the main network. I mean, the Taylor Ramirez, uh, you know, Vert, uh, Valdez Burchelt were huge, huge fights, and they were on regular ESPN. You know, Taylor versus Ramirez at the time, remember this back in May, uh, was not getting the proper promotion, I thought ended up being one of the better fights of the year and it gave us an undisputed at 140 pounds or for Josh Terrell. That was on regular ESPN. That's great. You know, Valdez and Burchell, big time buildup for that fight. Uh, one of the big, best performances of the year, one of the KOs of the year for Valdez on regular ESPN. Uh, Lomachenko's fights, whether they were on ESPN Plus or regular ESPN, his comebacks uh, fights were all on uh, regular ESPN. Uh, so it was a good year for, for them, you know, and their, their cards are always fun, uh, whether it's a, you know, their lower tier cards, they're mostly prospects, you know, they load their cards up and they give you fun, fun fights. You know, the Cepeda fight with Vargas, uh, you know, wasn't really like, you know, circled on a lot of calendars, but that whole card was fun. And that's a testament uh, to their matchmaking, Bruce Trampler and, and Brad Goodman. Uh, you know, Fox put on a lot of pay-per-views this year. Some of the bigger fights are Dennis Ugas versus Manny Pacquiao. Uh, they seem, we're going to see what's next for Fox. I honestly do not know. Uh, I know they have one more year left on that contract that they signed a few years back. Uh, it's a four, four year deal or is a three year deal, whatever. The first fight was Charlo, the Charlo doubleheader on Fox in 2018, heading into 2019, but this is the final year for Fox. So we're kind of seeing, reading the tea leaves here, a lot of pay-per-views. Uh, if they do put fights on a regular Fox, they're of like the David Morrells, they're the Vito Milnickis. Uh, you know, it's a far cry from a few years back where they had some big time fights on Fox. So that's an interesting uh, thing to keep an eye on. Uh, Probellum, I think, is making is going to make big waves in 2022. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye. Ring City uh, came and went. Uh, from what I've heard, they will be back in 2022. I don't know what platform they will be on. They were a nice addition to the boxing world, whether they were putting on fights on uh, November or putting fight, oh, excuse me, putting fights on uh, Wednesday or Thursday nights. I thought they were good. I'd like to see them uh, come back, but this is good, right? Competition is good because then you get better, better. Each network thinks they have to outdo the others. Uh, it's a big part of the boxing world and it's something to keep an eye on. I know about a lot of boxing fans out there uh, like to talk about the networks, the ratings, and uh, I think it's fun. Twenty twenty one will also be remembered for the year of the upset, whether it was your Dennis Ugas defeating Manny Pacquiao and retiring Manny Pacquiao, whether it was George Cambosos big time upset dethroning Tiafimo Lopez, or on maybe a lesser scale, uh, Usyk beating Anthony Joshua. I know many people had picked Usyk to win that fight. Still, that was an upset. There were so many more. It seemed like every single week across the world we were getting big time upsets. And Fight Ghost over on Twitter put together a list at the end of the year that I love. And it is the biggest upsets of the year, according to the odds. And there wasn't a bigger upset this year uh, than James Martin when he beat Vito Milnicki, uh, who was a plus 1800 favorite in that fight. That was pretty damn epic. That, that went over. That was the biggest upset of the year uh, it, in terms of the odds. Who can forget Sandor Martin? Over Mikey Garcia, a huge, huge one there uh, for Sander Martin. A huge upset. Uh, relative unknown uh, Spanish fighter who was handpicked by Mikey Garcia. 
Uh, and for I love this upset. I think it's a great performance, but I was never too high on, on Mikey Garcia over the last couple of years. He has one foot in the, and one foot out uh, in, in boxing. So it is a big upset. Uh, but, you know, it, it, when you look at what Mikey Garcia has left, uh, I, I, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked by any, by any means. And that was a plus uh, 1250 at plus 1200. You saw Mauricio Lara uh, defeat Josh Warrington. That was a huge upset at the time across the pond. There was this running theme we saw in 2021. That was Mexican fighters going over to the UK on these matchroom shows and dethroning them. We're not just Mexican fighters, just fighters in general, these massive underdogs going over to the UK and what was worse perceived as showcase fights for the a-side who would be uh, josh warrington and losing and that happened again too with kiko martinez who was uh, a a became a world champion at 35 years old when he knocked out kid galahad that was one of the best boxing days sneaky best boxing days of the year i believe it was like uh mid-november right it was no mid-november of that november to remember uh, I can do a whole show on that entire November that delivered in uh, many, in many ways, but Kiko Martinez defeating kid Galahad might be the best story of the year. The feel good story of the year. Uh, Kiko becoming a world champion at 35 and knocking, leaving no doubt, you know, it wasn't like an, uh, a decision win where you got a split decision. Oh, it was a freaking ice cold knockout of kid Galahad. That was for a plus 1200. Uh, Kenneth Sims Jr. defeating Elvis Rodriguez. Uh, remember that Elvis Rodriguez lost that fight. They ended up getting dropped by top rank. PBC picked him up. That was for, for 1,200. Gabe Rosado knocking out Beck the Bully. Uh, Melikuziev, that was plus 900. Uh, that was a huge, that was like the knockout and a knockout of the year contender and a upset of the year contender in, in one punch. Uh, for Gabe Rosado, it got, allowed him to fight Jaime Munguia, which was a very, very good fight in 2021 that was a great upset and then you had two big time women's upsets and it was alicia bumgarner uh exploding onto the scene with a vicious knockout of terry harvard winning the belt at 140 pounds you know kind of that knockout uh, was was pretty scary you know terry harper out on her feet kind of frozen but bumgarner man is on the scene in a, in a very big way uh she is in line for some big paydays she's in line for a huge fight with michaela Mayer. they don't like each other uh they are uh perfect for each other i think i think that could be a huge fight in, in women's boxing but that was a big upset at the time. Uh, Jamie Mitchell, a unknown fighter. I had uh, seen her fight in her previous fight over on the Carlicia Shields pay-per-view that I hosted. But she beat Shannon Courtney. That was a huge upset at the time. She, uh, Jamie Mitchell uh, showed that she can fight. She trains at that Mayweather gym. And she went in there and just took it to Shannon Courtney. Uh, that was a big one. And then, of course, uh, sneaky, sneaky best moment or best night, June 19th. Uh, happens to be my birthday, June 19th, 2021, Anderson Silva defeating uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And I guess it's an upset. I, I'm pretty sure if I go and look at the odds, it was a slight upset. One of the best days of the year. One of the best moments of the year was Silva, you know, has a love for boxing and uh, always loved the sport. Did, you know, wanted to get into it uh, at a young age, obviously went with MMA. He had those rumors of him fighting Roy Jones. That didn't work out. But in his late 40s, he goes in there and beats an uninspired Julio Cesar Chavez, but still a guy that won a world title at middleweight and beat him pretty easily. Outlanded him 99 to 53. And who can forget that, that moment in the ring after when Canelo Alvarez went into the ring and blessed Anderson Silva gave him that, that, that big hug and that big embrace. 
you know, just to kind of put the, you know, turn the knife a little bit in Chavez Jr. As we know, Canelo has a great relationship with Chavez Sr. A lot of people say he's the son that he, he wish he had. But now Julio Cesar Chavez is back in the news because he could potentially be fighting Jake Paul. Uh, I, I want to see it. I, I do want to see that. But, but it, 2021 was the year of the upset. And it's also going to be remembered for a year that's going to a revolutionary year for women's boxing, a year that's going to pave uh, the next couple, the next decade in, in women's boxing, because this was a huge year. Uh, there were some really, really big fights. I was part of the, the Clarissa Shields pay-per-view back in March. I hosted it over in Flint and uh, didn't have the biggest names on that car, but that was pretty cool to see an all-women's pay-per-view and Shields ended up beating Mary F. DeCare to become undisputed once again. Uh, but you had Michaela Mayer fighting uh, Maiva Hamadouche, which I thought was the best women's fight of the year. Uh, Hamadouche threw the third most punches ever in a women's fight from the beginning of the first bell to the 10th round the last bell, 20 minutes of phone booth fight. Uh, that was awesome. I think you're seeing this year that the level of skill has gone up in women's boxing for years. Obviously it's just a thin, thin talent pool, uh, but I, we're seeing more more women in uh, participate and we're seeing better fights. Uh, Alicia Bumgarner, we just talked about defeating Terry Harper. Now Bumgarner and M Meyer are on a crash course at 140 pounds. That win for Bumgarner changed her whole life. She's everywhere. She's marketable. Uh, she could be a huge, huge star, not just in women's boxing, just boxing in general. So hopefully next year, in the years to come, we don't have to just refer to it as two different leagues almost or two different things. Like women's boxing could just be kind of looked at as, as boxing. I understand that uh, it's going to take some time, but you saw uh, Katie Taylor fought twice this year and she had a great fight with Natasha Jonas. Amanda Serrano appeared in big time cards. This was a huge year for Amanda Serrano fighting under Jake Paul, signed to Jake Paul's promotion company, setting the stage for a huge showdown with Katie Taylor. Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor is going to be huge at Madison Square Garden, looking for in April. Both ladies are rumored to make over a million dollars. It's going to be the first time uh, both women are going to make over a million dollar purse. Obviously, he's talked about uh, Jamie Mitchell beating Shannon Courtney, you know, uh, Callie Reese, uh, and Jess Camara fought in a, a great fight. Uh, Mary McGee uh, and Chantel Cameroon. Cameroon won. Now we're going to see Callie Reese for Chantel Cameroon for Undisputed. And then uh, Kalisha Shields did her thing over in MMA. She, she lost, but she fought in MMA. Uh, she beat Mary Evdekare in boxing. But I think next year, uh, if everything goes right, you can get three huge fights in women's boxing, and they are very makeable. It's, it's Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. It's Alicia Bumgarner versus Michaela Mayer. And it's Clarissa Shields uh, versus Savannah Marshall. All three are huge. All three have storylines, and it could be a... a revolutionary year for lack of a better term a year a watershed type of year 2022 for women's boxing i understand there are people that don't like women's boxing uh but you can't deny that this year was huge for the sport and even ebony bridges someone who isn't really on the world title level but does great things you know getting eyeballs on the sport and she does a good job of marketing herself right uh so you know it's starting to see you know it's not just champions you're having uh fighters like ebony bridges do great things kind of paving the way for uh how some women can can market themselves doesn't always have to be that you know uh you know with the thongs and the, and the bikinis but it definitely helps it, it certainly helps because you have to sell fights at the at the end of the day but so we're starting to see that you don't just have to do that you can get in the ring and put on a good fight and the debate will rage on about whether 20 minutes or 30 minutes three minute rounds uh, i have gotten good information from some people in the business 
that say that they are more uh, executives and networks are more likely to buy a 20 minute women's fight that they know will be fun and shorter than a 36 uh, or 30 minute fight, uh, 10, uh, three minute rounds. So that's something to keep an eye on. But there is no doubt that 2021 was a huge year for women's boxing. What a year it was in 2021. More highs than lows, I truly believe. Uh, started off a little rough in January, not a lot of big fights. Had picked up a little bit in the springtime, hit a major lull in the summer where, you know, fights were seemed to be falling out left and right. Errol Spence getting that, that uh, injury. Uh, the Wilder Fury fiasco, that fight was off for a while or postponed for a while. No real mega fights until the fall, but man, the business pick up in a really big way. Uh, the final quarter of 2021, a frantic end of the year. That November, the November to remember, uh, delivered more than I could, could ever dream of. I think more than any boxing fan can ever dream of. That was one of the best boxing months we're going to see in a really long time. You know, Canelo, Alvarez, and Caleb Plant. Uh, you saw Mangia, you saw Everest Rosado, you saw uh, Crawford versus Porter, you saw Brandon, uh, you saw Fulton versus uh, Figueroa, you saw Tifimo versus Cambosos, and then also Kiko Martinez's big upset, Terry uh, Harper's loss to Alicia Bumgarner, so many big moments in that November alone. Uh, you know, it was a great year altogether. I mean, you saw undisputed fights at 140 pounds, uh, 168 pounds, and 154 pounds. We're going to see a rematch of Charlo and Castaño uh, next year. We can, or one fight or a couple fights away from seeing an undisputed uh, at, at heavyweight. I, I think that heading into next year, there's a lot of momentum. I actually feel really good about the sport for the first time in a long time. You have watched this show all year long. You know that I am very positive. You know that I'm very optimistic in a sport that that kind of, uh, you know, fixates on negativity. But this was a good year. Uh, we've got a lot of big fights. How many years can you passionately argue about what should be the fight of the year? Last year in 2020, it was a no doubter. It, it was uh, the fight between Zepeda and Barancic. Uh, because they, you know, COVID hit and there was three months where there was off, but there were a lot of years where the fight of the year is just cut and dry. This year you had, you know, multiple, you know, people giving me flack for Wilder Fury, you know, Chocolatito Estrada, Cambosos versus Lopez. Any of those undisputed fights were really good. There were so many good fights. Apoche versus Glanton at, at Cruiserweight. There were unification bouts this year, a lot of them. Super flyweight. Uh, there was unification bouts at 120, at 130 pounds, up and down the women's ranks. So I think that one thing we want to see from 2021 head into 2022 is the best fighting the best. Stop over marinating fights. You know, sometimes these unification bets aren't the best versus the best, but it's the next guy man up. It's the, we just want to see the right thing done. Right. And for instance, your Dennis Ugas versus uh, Manny Pacquiao, obviously we want to see Spence in there. Ugas stepped in, he beats Pacquiao. So now we're getting Ugas versus Spence for a three belt unification bout. And let's just say Ugas wins and beats Spence, which is not out of the uh, ordinary year. We're going to see a four-belt unification probably between Terrence Crawford and Dennis Ugas. Is it the two best welterweights? No, because the two best welterweights are Spence and Crawford. But if Ugas beats Spence, it's a worthy, it's a worthy fight. So you might not get the best versus the best, but the fans just want to see the right thing done. Want to see them climb that ladder. Ugas would put, climb that ladder. You know, it's obviously in, in air quotes. I think fans want to see that. I think that this year we got that. 
uh, undisputed fights, uh, you know, unification bouts, best versus best, good matchups. Uh, Canelo returned this year in a very big way. That's one thing you will remember this year for is Canelo Alvarez fighting three times, you know, putting the sport on his back, you know, fighting in March against Yildirim. That was, you know, February, whatever it was. That was just a, a mandatory that he had to fulfill, but still made it a big event, still made it fun. We were able to watch Canelo and able to talk about boxing uh, that night when things were lean early uh, in the year. But he bounced back with massive events at Cowboy Stadium against B.J. Saunders and what he did against Plant. He is the fighter of the year. Uh, that's why we didn't do a big category on it because it's Canelo. He's the fighter of the year. And I'm looking forward to what he does next. I mean, from here on out, Canelo is going to be in big fights. Uh, every time he steps into the ring, it's historic, whether he fights Makabu. At cruiserweight, whether he settles in at 175, there are some killers there. Better be of uh, Bival, Joe Smith, uh, Gilberto Ramirez. I'm interested in what Canelo does. He is undoubtedly the face of the sport, and we are lucky uh, to have him and lucky to live in the Canelo era right now. The heavyweight division is healthy. Uh, we saw big fights this year. In, in a two-week span, we saw Wilder Fury and Usyk Joshua. Titles changing hands, exciting names, and not just those top four, which is an outstanding top four. If you just look up like five to seven years ago, or even 10 years ago, box heavyweight division was, was boring. It was barren. It was a wasteland. Uh, it was, all the fights were overseas. We're getting huge fights here in the States. We're getting huge fights between names that are in personalities that we like. Not only that, there are some other uh, exciting heavyweights out there. You know, Joe Joyce, I think, is going to uh, have a breakout year next year, even though that he's 35 years old. Still fun. There are a lot of other names. Dillian White's going to get in there. I know some fans don't like Dillian White, but, you know, there are – it's not just a top four. It's a pretty deep division, and uh, I think, you know, things are going to shake out now that the Wilder and Fury saga is over. I want to see Wilder back in there. Wilder versus Joshua still intrigues me. Wilder versus pretty much anyone intrigues me. I, I think boxing fans are going to – once if Wilder does hang him up, I think they're really going to miss him. So the heavyweight division is, is looking good. What can change uh, for 2022? It's, you know, the same things that we say every year that we want to see different. It's the overmarination of fights, you know. Uh, promoters want to put on uh, the mega fights or the biggest fights when they're at their highest financially. And often that does not coincide when, when fighters are at their highest uh, in the ring, when they're at their peaks in the ring. For instance, Spence versus Crawford should have happened two years ago. If it doesn't happen in 2022, boxing failed. You know, there's still some at their very at the tail end of their peak. You know, it could be argued, but Terrence Crawford is getting up there in age. Errol Spence has been through hell and back, uh, you know, health wise. Uh, so if we get that fight next this year, I still think it's 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 serviceable. I still think it's uh, it will do big numbers. And I still think that uh, the two guys would be at their peak because Spence would be coming off a win over Ugas. And who knows who, who Terrence Crawford's going to fight. Hopefully we see that unification heavyweight. And hopefully we see that Spence uh, at 147. See that all settled uh fighters fighting more than twice a year uh that seems to be the norm now hopefully that changes canelo uh leading from the top leading from the front of the pack can can hopefully uh change that you know fighting three times is a doable thing uh i think a lot of fighters can benefit from it but you know the downfalls uh, or you know why they fight twice a year there's uh you know there is there is doping in the sport I'm not naive to that. I mean, the USADA and VADA, uh, you know, they are far from perfect. So there is a portion of fans out there 
or uh, media people out there that will say they fight twice a year so they can cycle on and cycle off. That's a major, major problem uh, in, in the boxing world. But I want to see fighters fight more than twice. Why should we only be see, you know, like, a, why should we see Tank Davis fight, you know, only in June and, and December? You know, f- find a third fight. It doesn't have to be against a top-tier guy, but it keeps you fresh, keeps you making money, it keeps the sport thriving, and it keeps the sport healthy. You know, that Canelo fight with Yildirim, it was a blowout, but it was still great to have a Canelo fight week. And it did wonders for him. He's just more out. He's out. I mean, that could show you right there. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, you know, talk, speaking English and just out there more. It's a really, really good thing. Now, it's time to look ahead to 2022. What do my eyes look crazy? What do we want to see in 2022? You know, we want uh, more Jake Paul. (laughs) I know that's a little controversial, but I don't mind Jake Paul in the sport. I think he's fun. I think the matchmaking is fun. I think he is a net positive for the sport. Look what he did for Amanda Serrano alone. That should be good enough for for some fans out there to raise her profile. You know, whether he fights Chavez, whether he fights another MMA guy, whether he fights, uh, you know, who knows who he's going to drum up. Tommy Fury. I enjoy the Jake Paul experience because if you take a look around, a big story of this year, uh, you know, in the headlines for weeks was – YouTubers are taking over boxing. What has happened to boxing? This was back when they, this was before the fall, when there was no big fights and it was bleak or wasn't great. And you had Jake Paul and his brother fighting, you know, in close quarters. Uh, you know, they fought within a few weeks of each other. YouTubers are taking over. Take a look around. There's only one YouTuber in boxing, and that's Jake Paul. So that is gone. You know, they're not taking over the sport. There is room for Jake Paul in boxing as long as you understand what it is. I call it like it's like a separate lane. It is boxing because they're stepping in the ring. You have to give them respect and credit for getting in there and taking punishment and dishing it out. But it's separate than real boxing until he fights like big time names, which I don't don't think is going to be a thing. So I don't mind Jake Paul in the sport. I think it's fun. Uh, I love that it riles up the purists. I love that it gets some people just so upset. I I love seeing that because let's just be honest, it's, it's a sport. Yes, it's a serious sport where they get in the ring, but for the most part, it's a very unserious sport. The characters, the business side, it's a freaking circus. So Jake Paul, there's room for him underneath this tent. Uh, I'd like to see judging and refereeing uh, become, get better. Uh, That's a hard thing to do. Uh, You know, we we need to see the best judges, you know, the Steve Weisfelds of the world uh, on the biggest fights more often. I know he's only one person and he can't be everywhere, but too many times this year, we saw a judge that we hadn't seen in years on a big assignment, on a big fight. That simply can't happen. Refereeing was not great this year. Fights went on too long. Fights were stopped too early. Uh, Points were taken away when they shouldn't. But it comes down to one thing is that it's an old boys club. Who the heck wants to be a boxing judge? Who the heck says, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a boxing judge? It's very hard to become a judge, number one. It doesn't pay that great. A lot of these judges have other jobs. Harold Harold Letterman was a pharmacist. For years before he took the HBO job, these guys have other jobs. It's not a, a lavish lifestyle. It's not lucrative. Same thing at refereeing, but it's some of the most important parts of the sport. So hopefully we see better refereeing. Hopefully we see better judging. I mean, that's easier said than done. Um, but those are some of the things I want to see uh, for the remaining year. It, uh, I just wanted to get kind of sappy in the corny moments. I just want to thank everyone out there that has watched this show. Over uh, either on Pluto TV, Fubo Sports, YouTube, listen to it on all the different ways you can get it on a podcast. 
Uh, 54 shows is, is no small feat. I enjoy doing the show every single week. I love this sport like no other. It's not, uh, it's just in my blood. From when I was a young kid, I love covering it. And uh, I love being on Twitter. I, I saw a big time growth in people, uh, you know, digesting my content, uh, whether it's my fastest two minutes or it's just making uh, light of the sport, keep bringing these stats. I saw a lot of new followers and I'm really happy. And I really like my, my fan base. It's just weird to even say. The people that follow me, uh, I, I enjoy them. And thank you to everyone out there that you know, watched the show all year long. Congratulations to all the award winners. Uh, special thanks to Nick Canobio, Bob Canobio, Seal Canobio, my entire family uh, for supporting me uh, as I try to climb the ladder that is the boxing broadcast world. Tough, 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 tough. We'll be back next year with a new Inside Boxing Live. 2021 is in the rearview mirror. Bring on 2022.